Hey there, welcome to another episode of Fast Forward, a podcast from QSR Magazine. My name is Sam Okus. I'm the editor of QSR and the editorial director of Food News Media. Uh, You probably know the deal by now, but we're in the midst of several podcast conversations covering the coronavirus outbreak, talking to restaurant industry professionals around the spectrum, from operators to vendors to consultants to data analysts, trying to reveal the unique perspectives, the creative ideas, tips and solutions that can help you get through this crisis uh, as unscathed as possible, keeping your lights on, keeping your head above water. As always, go to qsrmagazine.com for more. You can go to qsrmagazine.com slash coronavirus for all of the coronavirus-related news and headlines that we have up there. More than 100 headlines available to you there um, to give you news, give you the insights that you need to get through this. Um, also, please email me, sam at qsrmagazine.com uh, if you would like to follow up, if you have questions, or if you think you know somebody who would be good for this podcast. My conversation that I'm going to share now is with Darren Bosick. Uh, Darren is is a, a senior director at APGO Worldwide, uh, which is a strategic communications consultancy. And APGO has some interesting data out revealing uh, what consumers think about the brand reaction and communications to the coronavirus. So they specifically have looked at restaurant brands and looked to see whether consumer expectations have been met in some of the messaging that's been coming out from restaurants. Now, of course, this is an unprecedented time. All restaurant brands are really just flying by the seat of their pants. There's really no playbook for getting through a crisis like this. Um, But it's still interesting to look at some of the data to see um, who's doing this better and who is not. And from APGO's research, it does look like a lot of restaurant brands are not meeting those customer expectations for what customers hope to be hearing from them right now in this time of crisis. I wanted to pick Darren's brain a little bit and find out, you know, what are some of the best strategies for communications in this time? What do consumers want? How are their expectations evolving over the last couple of weeks and in this time of need? What do they want to hear from those brands that they are loyal to? So uh, we talked about all of that and more in this conversation now with Darren Bosick of APGO Worldwide. Darren, thank you for, for taking some time today. Can you explain a little bit more about what APGO Worldwide is and a little bit about the research you guys have been doing? Yes. Uh, APCO Worldwide is a global public affairs and public relations consulting company. We've been around for 35 years. Uh, we have clients across various industries, including government and retail, uh, quick serve restaurants. And uh, my role is that I work on the data science team. So we uh, do a lot of research and uh, intelligence gathering for our clients through surveys and other types of methodologies. And uh, my role is really to take all that data and apply different uh, approaches to generate more robust insights for clients. Gotcha. So now you guys are researching what some of the consumer response has been to uh, retail brands uh, messaging and actions in the midst of the coronavirus outbreak. When you look at specifically at QSR brands and restaurant brands, what are you guys, what's the data telling you is happening? Yeah, so we did take a look at a lot of different quick serve restaurants, including McDonald's, Burger King, uh, Chick-fil-A, Popeye's Chicken, Chipotle. Um, And we wanted to understand um, how they're pushing out communications on their own social media channels about the crisis and how are their different audiences and customers and stakeholders reacting to that communications and also 
what are the different conversations that are occurring organically across social media? Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, we created what we call the APCO COVID-19 Response Index, or CRI. And this is an easy way for our clients to understand how these different uh, brands are uh, performing in their response to the crisis. So what we're seeing in quick-serve restaurants is fairly interesting. Uh, we find that um, a lot of the quick-serve restaurants, uh, once they had to move to a takeout-only take kind of model and close down a lot of their stores because of uh, restrictions put in place by the federal and local governments, uh, people were going online and really saying that they missed the experience of going to the restaurants um, and actually eating the food within the establishments. Um, they also were talking about um, how uh, some of the restaurants were late to comply with these uh, restrictions. And uh, especially we, we saw um, Starbucks in particular being called out as being uh, late to comply and people were going there and uh, finding the conditions to be unsanitary or uh, not really uh, being kept to uh, satisfaction. So once they did uh, become a takeout only, uh, some other things we saw was complaints about long lines, um, lack of uh, food on the menu. Um, so overall, the even though some of these uh, QSRs have been pushing out very positive messages about how they're still uh, open for business, even though it's takeout only, and uh, they want to uh, promote health and safety of their customers, uh, there's been a lot of negative reaction to um, some of these messages, particularly around treatment of employees and lack of uh, things on the menu and being late mm-hmm. to uh, provide a clean and safe environment for for their customers. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, that first thing you said about people reacting, how they were disappointed because they missed the experience. Obviously, that's not really, you know, the restaurant can't do anything about that. You know, when right. the government tells you to close your, your dining rooms, you have to close your dining rooms. It, so when you think about something like that, it, should these restaurant brands have been communicating what they were doing differently? Is that seem to have led to this negative reaction just because the restaurants didn't get the message out the right way to those guests? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of them could have uh, provided more messaging from leadership and uh, really uh, being uh, as uh, either the CEO or um, someone who could have really been uh, the point of provide a more expert point of view about food safety and safety and health and well-being of customers and uh, having it from someone who's higher up in uh, the business as being kind of the person who's uh, showing care and consideration and concern for customers. And Mm. we we didn't really see that happening, Um, especially after uh, a lot of them closed down and were had to unfortunately uh, furlough a lot of employees and uh, lay off a lot of employees. That kind of messaging didn't really resonate with, uh, especially mm. in the online channels. Um, uh, there were a lot of employees as well going online and complaining about um, the lack of benefits, uh, continuation, the lack of uh, notification or lack of pay, and just the uh, general uh, confusion over whether they'll have a job uh, once the crisis ends. So uh, in addition Mm. to food safety, there's a lot uh, of lack of confusion about 
uh, what how employees are going to feel once uh, the crisis ends. So um, I think mm-hmm. leadership could have been played a, a much better role initially in providing that kind of guidance and uh, overview of what the business's plans were. Mm-hmm. The, the the big drop in sales that we saw among restaurants really started from what seemed like a lack of trust in that rest or in that uh, consumers were afraid to dine out because they feared that restaurants could possibly spread the virus. And it almost seems like what you're saying is people were looking for those restaurant for those restaurant companies to reassure them. They wanted some sort of reassurance in that leadership that, you know, they were they were taking the responsible steps that were necessary. Yeah, I mean, even uh, providing things like guidelines around takeout, you know, if, if it's curbside or if someone, uh, how they're going to handle the influx of people coming into the restaurant to pick up the food. There was no real clear guidance around that from a lot of them and mm-hmm. um, just about uh, how to access the menu online or whether there would be delivery service through third-party sites like Grubhub. Um, a lot of that with confusion came out in the online conversation, and uh, I think it still exists today. So um, something needs to be done to kind of clarify what the uh, rules are around takeout and delivery, um, and especially mm-hmm. you know if they want to continue promoting uh, that it is safe to, to eat the food and, and how it's going to be delivered needs to um, be better clarified. Mm-hmm. Considering the restaurants that you did study which which of the restaurants seem to perform the best and what can we learn from those restaurants? What are some best practices in this, this messaging uh, part of things? Yeah, definitely we saw uh, Chick-fil-A and Popeye's Chicken standing out as kind of the leaders in this mix. Um, they really uh, got out ahead of the others in providing that kind of reassurance to customers that we're with you, that we're providing a product that's still healthy uh, and safe. And uh, mm-hmm. even though that they're going to be closing down their restaurants, um, they will be providing uh, takeout and delivery in a manner that uh, is going to keep their customers safe. Um, they try to reassure them as much as possible that um, their product won't uh, run out, that um, if they do run out, then they can absolutely go online and point out uh, different locations where they might be running low on different menu items and then reassure them that those items would be um, replaced or uh, replenished as quickly as possible. Um, And then to the employee point, they're also reassuring that uh, once this crisis is over, that they're going to do their best to bring back employees that um, they had to let go, unfortunately. So um, those are really the Mm -hmm. two that are kind of standing out as being the winners in this and I think those are mm-hmm. lessons that can be learned. Yeah. So Popeyes, when I think about them, you know, the last couple of months, they've really had this heyday uh, with their chicken sandwich. And, and you know, the marketing that's driven the chicken sandwich has been, you know, fun and irreverent. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, in the in the wake of the coronavirus, they, um, you know, did this campaign where they gave out the, their Netflix password, you know, as this everybody's staying home here, you know, and here's Netflix for free or whatever. And I thought it was interesting because in, in such a serious moment, they were still kind of holding onto that irreverent messaging. And I'm wondering, you know, is there room for that? Do you think brands can get playful and maybe have a little fun? 
Well, I saw brands like McDonald's um, coming out with um, their golden arches being separated to give the message of social Mm -hmm. distancing. And I saw other um, non-QSR brands do that as well. Um, And I think the message is clear in what they're trying to do. And I I mean, it's kind of lighthearted and I think it works, but... Um, there is kind of a line you need to draw between, you know, this is a serious situation. And, um, you know, even though we're trying to bring a little levity to this, um, we need to get be clear about what is important, what the, what the customer really needs. And I think those things are reassurance about health and safety and the goodwill uh, of their customers. So, um, you know, things like what McDonald's did with the Golden Arches is fine. It's just you know, continue to reinforce that with additional messaging, especially from your leadership, that you're providing uh, food that is not going to make you sick and that um, you're still open for business in a responsible way. Yeah. You know, you and I are talking on April 1st and normally on today, I would get a, a ton of press releases from companies trying to, you know, do an April Fool's joke. And and it's always one yeah. of the most maddening days of the year because for me, I'm like, okay, I'm actually just trying to get the news out. I don't want to get any of this fake stuff. And there has been none of that this year. I mean, it, I, I do think that restaurant companies seem to understand that, you know, that that irreverence, that playfulness can only go so far. Oh, yeah, it definitely can backfire on you and it'll live forever online. And uh, people have a very hard time forgetting things that really don't go well. And, um, yeah, I think especially in this crisis situation and with the economy, you know, the way it is, I don't think it's a good time to put something very risky out there. Um, You want your customers Mm -hmm. to come back and your employees to come back. So um, the more you can show concern rather than, um, something that's more uh, meant to be a joke, I think uh, the better you'll be in the long run. Mm-hmm. You guys have been doing this data, I think, now for a couple of weeks, right? I mean, have you seen some evolution in the numbers? Do you see any companies going uh, any particular direction, up or down? How does the, the, cu- the customer reaction to this messaging seem to be changing over time? Um, yeah, so we've been tracking this uh, for two weeks, and we still kind of see um, – a very negative association with Starbucks conversation. Um, I think it's just a fact that people uh, are still seeing those long lines and they're still seeing um, the social distancing not happening in these lines. And uh, just uh, the reaction is that Starbucks is just not the same when you take it home and it's on the go. It's just they they kind of are frustrated or really miss the in-store experience that Starbucks has really grown its brand around, that kind of um, community experience. And it's something Mm. that, you know, without that, I think the brand is really suffering. Um, And the fact that it's still something that uh, is not an essential part of people's lives, but something that is viewed as kind of a, a luxury item because it is such a high price point for their products. But are they still wanting to kind of pay that during a crisis is coming out as something that is being non-essential as well as being not as good of an experience uh, drinking it on on the go or from home. So I think Starbucks needs to kind of think about ways that it can kind of turn that conversation around and say that it is, you know, without the experience, still something that you need to buy um, and still provide, you know, that is, is, is showing that they still care about their customers. 
Yeah, you know, I'm no marketing expert and I'm not Starbucks CMO, but it almost seems to me like Starbucks needs to figure out a way to translate that experience to the virtual world. I mean, all of us are moving to the virtual world for everything. We're all working from home, you know, doing everything we need to do through Zoom and Google Hangouts and all that stuff. I mean, I almost wonder if some of these companies need to start thinking about what is that experience we offer in the restaurants? How do we recreate that in the virtual world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there's certainly been uh, examples uh, outside of QSR where you know retailers have provided a better virtual experience. Um, you know, doing things like trying close on online, um, uh, trying to uh, close the uh, get people to uh, get a better e-commerce experience and uh, look through inventory and make a, a selection without going to the store. Um, try before you buy through Amazon, you know, have it shipped to you. And, and if you don't like it, you can ship it back. So um, I think, you know, QSR can kind of play with ways um, to try to make that at-home experience um, something more delightful and uh, kind of mimic the in-store restaurant somehow. Um uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if if you if they can come up with ways to do that, I think it'll help really differentiate them from others, uh, and maybe grow their um, customer experience in a different way and improve that satisfaction. But um, yeah, it's something I'm not seeing right now. Yeah, it's it's tough to you know have some of this conversation when you consider that you know. These companies did not have a playbook for this. You know, this is an unprecedented time for everybody, including these companies. And so it almost seems kind of unfair to some of these companies to, to you know, not rank well with the customers because they're, you know, really just kind of flying by the seat of their pants like most other companies. But, you know, at the same time, it seems like, uh, you know, maybe customers' expectations have also changed. Uh, When you consider some of the data you've done prior to this and thinking about customer expectations, how do you think that also has evolved considering what's been going on now the last couple of weeks and how, you know, the, the, their expectations of brands have maybe evolved along with it. Yeah, I mean, I think customers uh, still expect that when they go to a restaurant, if it's for takeout or dine-in, that, you know, they expect good service, good food, and it being worth the price. So even though now it's a takeout or delivery only option, I think those rules still apply. So, you know, I think that um, they still expect to have a safe, uh, good quality uh, experience in the home, um, something that is still the right value for the price, um, and something that uh, is memorable. Even though you know you're got, not getting that dining experience, it should be um, something that doesn't come with um, any kind of complaint and any kind of dissatisfaction. So, the more the re- that restaurants can provide that with the takeout and the um, delivery experience, the better they'll be when the dining options do return. Um, and I think the better off they'll be uh, positioned so that they won't lose customers, they won't frustrate customers, and they'll get um, they'll get back in business uh, more quickly once the crisis ends. Um, so I think that's uh, mm-hmm. really what customers expect, um, even though the, the world has changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Darren, I've been asking everybody on this podcast to, to give me a little bit of uh, encouragement, leave us with a little bit of encouragement or one thought that might give us a little bit of hope. And, you know, for you, I'm wondering if, you know, considering the data and, and the trends you're seeing, is there one thing you can leave listeners with as maybe being the silver lining or maybe a, a sign for, you know, uh, going in a, the right direction? Anything you can leave us with that might give restaurant operators a little bit of hope? 
Yeah, I mean, the fact that they still are saying, or customers are still saying that they need their product, that, you know, that they're st- sitting at home and a lot of them don't want to cook. Um, they just feel that it's still very a very convenient way to uh, get the food that they've always enjoyed. So, um, you know, it's they're, they're no strangers to the drive through at McDonald's or Burger King. Um, takeout is something that's always been an option. It's just the only option right now. But what they're saying uh, loud and clear mm-hmm. is that, you know, we still enjoy your food. We still can't live without your food in some regard. And, you know, just keep up, keep us knowing that you're still providing us with a safe product and that, you're keeping us, uh, you're keeping our health and safety in mind. And, you know, we'll still be with you once this crisis ends. Yeah, that's good. Darren, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to check in again in a couple of weeks and see how the uh, customer expectations have evolved since now. Oh, yeah, please do. My pleasure. Thanks very much.